Great to see everyone today. Glad we're together to worship. God is in our midst. And for that, we uh, can be very, very thankful. It was uh, just a little over three years ago that we uh, found ourselves devastated uh, witnessing the burning of the great uh, cathedral of Notre Dame in, in Paris. That fire uh, wiped out the cathedral's roof and its high steeple. Restoration is uh, underway and will require many, many more years of work. The walls uh, stood despite the inferno, even as we saw those flames pouring out uh, everywhere, particularly through the roof. The, the walls remained intact. And a big reason for that was the flying buttresses that lined the outside walls. You can, uh, can see those there. They are a well-known feature of that cathedral. The flying buttresses provide extra support so that the structure doesn't fall in on itself. And certainly that was the case uh, for uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame uh, when it was uh, under siege from that fire a few years ago. The great theologian uh, Emil Brunner references flying buttresses in talking about the sacraments. He says the sacraments are the divinely given flying buttresses which save the church from collapse. How interesting. They are the very things that save the church from collapse. As we said last week, the sacraments of baptism and holy communion are the most holy and sacred rites of the church. They are a significant way of giving us the opportunity to connect with God. They, above all things, awaken us to God's grace and put us in touch with God's presence. The sacraments of baptism and, and Holy Communion help define who we are as Christians. They're very distinctive, and they certainly uh, inform the the lives we lead as Christian people. They uh, certainly keep us uh, aware of God's good work in our lives. As we said last week, baptism helps form our identity as Christians. Through baptism, we celebrate the fact that we are claimed by God, that we are His children. Last week, we, we also said that, that baptism is just something the church does. It is fundamental to our life together. As baptized people, we encourage one another in the faith, we hold one another accountable, and we see to it that everyone is growing in the faith. This week, our, our focus is on the sacrament of Holy Communion. And in fact, here in just a few minutes, we'll be, uh, be sharing in that sacrament, coming around this table and sharing in this holy meal that, uh, that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. Holy communion, much like baptism, draws us closer to Christ and closer to one another. In the Lord's Supper, we experience Christ's presence. We remember all that God did through Christ, particularly what God did 
through Christ on the cross. And because of all of that, we find ourselves strengthened for the road ahead. Both sacraments, baptism and Holy Communion, should be approached with holy awe. We know, though, from experience that it's all too easy to to approach them without being fully engaged. That's particularly true when it comes to Holy Communion. We sometimes simply um, just go through the motions. Communion is uh, something that we do more often than we do baptism. And because of that, there is that, uh, that tendency for communion to be just old hat. We, we fail to put our whole selves into the experience. Well, let's hear what the Apostle Paul has to say about such things as we read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 32. Let's hear this from God's Word. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before They eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, When we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not finally, we will not be finally condemned with the world. This is God's word. May it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us. And may we in the power of God's spirit find us drawing closer to this word, aligning our lives with God's word. May God bless us all. Well, Corinth was a rough and tumble place. It was a very critical seaport. And because of that, people from all over the world converged to bring a a boatload of divergent ideas. That was Corinth. Corinth was a, a melting pot of sorts. It had a reputation for wild living and and immorality. Despite that, a church was born. The case could be made that, that Corinth was the exact place where a church needed to be. And indeed, that was the case. 
we shouldn't be surprised that the, the church there reflected the culture in which it found itself. That's often the case when it, when it comes to church. It is almost un, unavoidable that we reflect the culture in which we find ourselves, even though Jesus calls us to a different path. We are in the world, but not of it. That's just the way it is when it comes to being a part of Christ's kingdom. The Corinthian church was deeply divided, and and Paul spoke very clearly to those divisions. He does that uh, particularly in in his uh, letter, 1 Corinthians. When it came to the Corinthian church, there were a lot of haves and have-nots. And that sort of thing was never more apparent than when the church came together for the Lord's Supper. Back in those days, at the very earliest days of the, of the church, the Lord's Supper was a part of a broader meal called the Love Feast. It was a sort of uh, early church potluck dinner. Now, you would think that those who had would have uh, brought enough for themselves, and then some, so that those who, who didn't have would, um, would have something as well. That was not the case. What ended up happening was that the rich made sure they were well taken care of, while the poor were left wanting. Selfish, selfishness abounded to the detriment of everyone being able to share. And again, this was in the context of that which was understood to be very sacred, the Lord's Supper. What the church needed was a good lesson in table manners. And Paul was willing to oblige. And so he writes down these things as he shares this letter of 1 Corinthians. I've sensed that one of the first, I have long, for many years, have shared that one of the first things that they teach you in seminary is how to go through the potluck line, you know, to share about those manners. I have learned that you always put your, your napkin and your utensils in your pocket. That way you have have both hands free to, to carry the full load, if you will. I, I always um, get the plate filled first, get it to the table, and then go back and get the drink and dessert. Again, it's always good to have both hands free when it comes to a potluck dinner. There, there is an etiquette in all seriousness to going through a potluck line. You, you don't get the last piece, and you don't get the best piece. It's understood that you just save that for somebody else. There was a lot of selfishness that, that, that went around when it, when it came to the Corinthian church, particularly when they ate together. And that selfishness morphed into the, to a sort of discrimination. You know, it wasn't just people over here and people over there, but there was this, this discrimination that began to, to, to flood the church and, and, and marked its, its common life together. There were many that just 
quite frankly, did not feel a part of the church. And so Paul writes, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you, um, each of you goes ahead without uh, waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry. Another uh, gets, uh, gets drunk. Don't you have uh, homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. It does that with an exclamation point. I have always felt this about the church, that it is a a level playing field where all people are, are welcome and where everyone is treated as equal. After all, that's what God does. His love is that consistent. It is that consistent to all people. Having tackled the divisions that plague the Christian church, Paul went on to, to talk more specifically about the Lord's Supper. And he does that in the passage that we read just a, a few minutes ago. Paul quoted Jesus and what Jesus shared in the upper room with his disciples. Paul talked about Jesus taking bread, breaking it, and saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul also talked about uh, taking the cup and uh, he referenced Jesus and, and said, uh, has, has Jesus saying this this cup is the new covenant in, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. It's interesting that some scholars have noted that these words in 1 Corinthians 11, all written in red letters, the very quote of, of, of Christ, that these are the, the, the first words of Jesus recorded in the Bible. Now, whether or not that's the, the case, these words are as important today as the day that Jesus spoke them. They point us to the, the supreme sacrifice Jesus made on our behalf. We lose sight of what took place to make our salvation possible. We don't contemplate that enough. We don't ponder it enough and because of that, to keep from, from facing, uh, facing that, we, we tend to water things down when it comes to what Jesus did, making possible our salvation. Our salvation comes at high price. Just as we emerge from the season of Lent and, and the great celebration of Easter, where we really do focus on the cross, we, we tend to to put the cross in the background many times and hence water down the very thing that makes possible our salvation. Jesus offered himself on the cross so that we might be reconciled with God once and for all. We do well to contemplate that, to remember that, to live into that, which is why this table is, is so important it helps us to do that and to do that 
on a regular basis. When it comes to Holy Communion, it's all too easy to slip into bad habits. We talked about that, or at least referenced it, at, at the very outset of our, our time together today. Regarding the church in, in Corinth, Paul was quick to point out that they had um, sort of slipped into a complacency when it came to their coming together. They really weren't putting themselves into what they were doing, particularly when they came around the table to share in, in the Lord's Supper. In a word, they had become nonchalant. When it comes to doing church, it's all too easy to get caught up in the same old, same old. It's all too easy to just go through the motions, even when we come to this table. You've heard it said that familiarity breeds uh, contempt. Well, if it doesn't breed contempt, it certainly breeds complacency. And we need to always be on the look, lookout for it. Complacency is a, is a blight that saps energy, dulls attitudes, and really is just a drain on the brain. The, the first symptom is satisfaction, a satisfaction with things just as they are. The second is, is rejection of things as they might be. Good enough becomes the watchword of the day and regret, regret, regrettably the standard for tomorrow. That's where complacency gets us as, uh, as individuals struggling in our Christian lives, even as a church that comes together. Complacency has a way of eroding our common life together. Paul's quick to offer a remedy for that, to offer a remedy for complacency. He, he called on the church in Corinth just as he calls on us to examine our motives, to test our hearts, and to recognize God for who he is. We are challenged to consider why we do what we're doing. We are <coughs> challenged to, to lay ourselves before God and to recognize who he is. We are to examine our motives, to test our hearts, and to recognize God for who he is. By doing so, we will certainly be assured by God of both his love for our lives and his presence. I can think of no better way of examining our hearts than letting God's spirit sift through the, the clutter of our lives and awaken us to the error of our ways. In awakening us to the error of our ways, we are, we are brought, uh, brought by God to the very place of confession where we um, will know and experience the grace of God and the forgiveness that he offers through Jesus Christ. The invitation to this table is offered to all who, who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. 
This is a, a big table. There's, there is room for everyone. The invitation to all who come with, with an open heart, find that God is, is present, that God is fast at work to, to, to bring each individual to the very place where God would, would have that individual to be, to receive everything that he offers through his son, Jesus Christ. So the invitation is to come, to come with uh, holy awe. And in that awe, know God and know God to be at work in your life. And as you find God at work in your life, may your life be turned. May you be better prepared to reach out to, to others, certainly with those with whom you, you share today, but even beyond, sharing the light and love of Jesus Christ with those that you come in contact with. May God bless us as we come to this his table. So in preparation today, let's be, uh, be aware of this, this togetherness that is very much a, a part of what goes on around the, the sacrament, in and around the sacrament of Holy Communion. I'll invite you to stand and to, uh, to sing as we lift our voices to God, uh, singing that great hymn, Let Us Break Bread Together. May the Lord be with us all.